Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about juvenile CIA grudges so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Target by David Baldacci. Joining us is our friend Nick, an advertising copywriter and struggling part-time assassin. Welcome, Nick. Heyo. Yay. Thanks for joining us for this possibly string of smaller assassin short stories tied together into novel form, possibly. Yeah, this is, this is the third book in a series, but it feels like it could be, like, books three through eight of the series all tacked into one. Yeah, where each book is about 60 pages long. Either that or, like, it could be compressed down to, like, one movie trailer. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of content in there. That's worth doing. Yeah, and so... Um, we were talking a little bit before about how I don't really understand why the action book it really exists as a concept. Like, to me, I mean, I, I like an action movie for sure. I would love to watch some of these fights happen. Like, you know, just ninjas kicking, like, ten people at once. That sounds awesome. But when it takes, like, two pages to describe it, I'm just skimming it. I'm bored. I don't really understand why this is a book and not a movie. Or, yeah, like, I'm- at least... Two pages of descriptions at least uh, is attempting to describe what's happening. Often the, it's a complete lack of description. It's like, the door was locked, then the door was unlocked. And it's like, you have to, something in between happens. Is it magic? Maybe. Might be magic. I don't know. I mean, I'm someone who doesn't like to watch action movies in general. So, like, I, I would... As someone who doesn't like to watch action movies, reading an action movie is even worse than I imagine someone who likes action movies reading action sequences. It's like double times things that I don't like. Like I, I went to see the Avengers again today and I got up and I peed for the entire um, Hulk fight scene because why, why? That, that was a good time to go and, and use the restroom and check my phone. <laughs> I imagine that that's what other people were doing during that scene too. I don't know, but yeah, like it was a drag for me to get through this because I just did not care in the least about any of it. Or even when there would be something that I cared about a little bit, then it would just kind of cut away from that immediately. Yeah, I um, would say the thing... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I guess around now we should start explaining what the plot or plots of this are. Yes, there are many. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's third in the series, and the series is called the Will Roby series. Um, so I'm presumably this guy, Will Roby, is in the others. And I'm guessing also his partner, Jessica Real, And they've... I, I've said this before, I do feel like all series books should be required to have a Babysitter's Club chapter, where they just real quick recap all the main characters and like what their jobs are and stuff. And this does not do that. But yeah, well, I, feel I, like it, I feel like I that was, chapter should be called the Babysitter's Club chapter, and it would fit, it would be awesome. Yeah. But like, there yes. should just be a Babysitter's Club section of an assassin book in the CIA, about the CIA. You know, and it does seem like they are in need of some babysitters. So yes, they definitely. could literally have Christy Thomas in here to take care of the 10-year-old girl they maybe adopt later. Yeah, I feel like, though, by the end of it, Christy would be way better at everything than anyone else in the book. So she'd be the head of the CIA when the book ended. <laughs> Whoa, that's the action book I want to read. <laughs> right? 
Um, but I, I was, for what I was able to piece together based on various conversations that vaguely alluded to previous books, is that I think in the first book, um, Will Roby rescues a teenage girl from being kidnapped by a Saudi prince who's mm-hmm. trying to kill her or something. Yeah. In the second book, he gets wrapped up in something in Syria with Jessica Real, who's a CIA agent who they think went rogue because she killed other CIA agents, but it turns out they were traitors. And specifically, I think they were sent to Syria as punishment for the killing the traitor CIA agents affair. Because they were supposed to die in Syria, but they didn't because they're the most awesome CIA agents ever. They're the second and third best agents in the world. Right. But certainly (laughs) the two top two in America, and then there's one North Korean agent who's better than them. Yeah. Um, But this book opens up with they're still in trouble for coming, essentially for surviving the mission they were sent on in Syria, and they're both alerted that there is a top secret mission that they might be needed for but before they can tell if they're needed for it they need to return to what i what i think is implied to be like cia spy basic training at this place called the burner box yeah and then specifically they're being put through like punitive retraining um, including they get waterboarded and like psych there's like all these psych exams and they have to do all of these crazy physical feats and they both think that they were they're expected to die here because it's not unheard of for people to die at this facility and uh they both think that the current CIA director wants them quietly killed for because the people who who Jessica killed were his his buddies, I guess, and he won't believe that they were actually traitors. Like they're not wrong. Like that's what he wants to happen. Yeah, yeah. but but I mean, it, it is. But then, like, there's a scene where I feel like in his narrative, he's thinking about how he doesn't really want them to die because he needs them for this North Korean mission, and like wanting to punish them is just the childish part of him that he can't move past. But. He like I, I feel like I feel like if you're the director of the CIA, maybe you should be able to move past that. If they're literally the only people who can do this mission, maybe you shouldn't waterboard them to death because you're mad that they were mean to your friends. Fatally mean to your friends. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, your friends who were also <laughs> traitors to your government that you swore to protect. Well, yeah, and I mean, his whole thing is that he doesn't believe that they were traitors. But anyway, this this brings us to another point, which is this book it does the thing a lot of the shitty books we redo, which is it jumps point of view like every 30 seconds. And it does a lot of the time where it will repeat information that you just heard, but from a new character. But it doesn't really add anything. It's just the exact same thing we just heard, but now somebody else is thinking it. And so we get that yeah. from, you know, we get them thinking, oh, we could die here. And then we get the CIA director being like, yeah, they could die there. And, and then we get, also... like, the person who runs the burner box is like, hmm, these people seem to think they could die here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Mystery. And also, because it's, like, like, all these little, like, novellas almost strung together things get dropped constantly. Like, they're in this burner box, literally thinking they're going to die. The guy who sent them there wouldn't be sad if they died. 
And then they're pulled out to go on this other mission, and, like, that's it. Like, that's... And it's never really followed up on very much about how, you know, this guy wanted them dead and sent them... It's just, like, drops that they can move on to the next thing, which was Nazis. They did get an apology at some point from the CIA director. But, yeah, it's overall just moved on. So, okay, so the first novella is them in the burner box getting reworked, and then it has been, for a while, we don't know why exactly, but it's just been showing us occasionally this um, prison hospital where this old neo-Nazi has been making plans. And uh, we don't know exactly what his plans are, but it turns out that his daughter is Jessica Real, one of the two awesome CIA agents, and she had um, been in witness security, so he doesn't... Wait, witness protection? What do you... Yes. Yes. Um, that thing. And so he doesn't know exactly what came of her, but he has this whole ploy where he convinces the nurse that he wants to reconcile with her before he dies, and it turns out, actually, he just wants to kill her. So it's this whole thing where, like, they call her to the prison. And then as she leaves, she's, like, followed by other Nazis. And then something happens. And then, like, they kidnap the teenage girl that they're friends with. and To hold her ransom because the head of the neo-Nazis had raped Jessica when she was undercover with them as a teenager and impregnated her and that was when she turned state's witness or possibly i mean it seems like she possibly had been undercover for a while but once the operation blew open they put her into witness protection um and she had given the child up for adoption and he so he doesn't know she's a cia agent he doesn't know she had been working with the fbi or anything he just thinks she's like some poor sap who was still secretly in love with him and who has his baby and he wants them both back. And the teenage girl, because she's like super precocious and super smart and old for her age, at one point, like, Jessica, she's having a heart-to-heart with Jessica before she gets kidnapped and she's like giving her sage life advice. And she's like, how are you? You know, you're so young. How can you know this? And she literally taps her chest and says, I'm old in here. Um, (laughs) so she feeds the neo-Nazis the story like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Jessica, she's just a poor fumbling female with female problems. And that guy you saw with is, with her is her witness protection, U.S. Marshal protection detail. And they're really terrible and they're not good spies or anything like that. So all of the neo-Nazis, because they're all just dumb as shit. Uh, buy this hook, line, and sinker and um, are like, yeah, you know, let's do an exchange of her and my daughter for this other girl and it'll be totally fine. No secret plans will be happening. But surprise, it is a secret plan. And uh, and then my favorite part of the whole thing is that uh, Jessica Real ends up doing like um, like in GoldenEye, an action movie that I do like, how um, Jean Grey in that movie likes to strangle dudes to death with her thighs. She kind of does that whole thing, but also I think she has a wire. It's like very complicated and sexy. Yeah. I'm, okay, so sexy, I mean, it's trying to be sexy. It's not <laughs> oh, yeah, sexy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
it's uh, a, sexy like, in quotes. It's this like <laughs> rape scene where she like starts to pretend like she's liking it while she's strangling her rapist to death and moaning pro-Nazi sayings. Yes. And like, then she like steals a gun and like shoots her way to freedom and like. I don't know, USA, USA? I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to say to that. Yeah, I, I think USA, USA is a good sort of um, way to close out any of these because it is, it is weird. And I think also I take for granted that, you know, pretty much everyone I talk to is pretty lefty, all pretty dubious of the CIA and aware that the CIA has done some shady as fuck things. And David Baldacci is just like, CIA agents are heroes. They're the real heroes, and they do all this work, and no one even appreciates it, but they are heroes. And I'm like, eh. I mean, some of them, maybe, I, but, like, mm. there's, what? Yeah. And we, we skipped to, I think we skipped one of the no- novellas. If the first one is them in the burner box, I think the second one is they get pulled from the burner box to go on a mission that needs to happen um, where throughout the book up to that point, we had been seeing these shady conversations about North Korea with the president and the head of the CIA and a bunch of other people. And um, Roby and real are sent to assassinate this guy who had been, he was a general in North Korea and essentially America had been planning a coup in North Korea where they were going to kill the leader. And then this guy was going to become the new leader. But the number one assassin in the world, um, a CIA assassin named Chung Cha, has... Oh, not CIA. Oh, not CIA. North, a North Korea. Korean. Yeah, a North Korean assassin named Chung Cha has foiled the Americans' plan. So now they need to assassinate this other guy or else people will know that America was going to assassinate... I don't know. I didn't follow that, really. But before they can assassinate him, he kills himself, and he like swears. He wants he wants them to tell the president that shit. He wants them to tell the president something nasty. Yeah. No, he says, "Tell the president like uh, I don't like you and uh, <laughs> yeah. protect protect my family." Yes. Because like there's going to be retribution on my family because North Korea knows I'm a traitor, and then. The CIA people are like, he doesn't have a family. And they're like, oh, wait, we should have done our research. Technically, he does have a family. <laughs> and then those people are like, are arrested and thrown into like a prison camp. And later in the book, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> later in the book, the, the, our, our heroes have to go into North Korea and like essentially uh, have open war on the country as they fight their yeah. way into into a <laughs> yeah. prison camp and free like a couple of people who have never had any association with America whatsoever. <laughs> and also, um, I think I USA, guess, USA, USA. <laughs> I guess we also <laughs> forgot that. Yeah, I before all of that. Also, we see Chung Cha in action, and she's introduced to us as kind of like a helpless waif in one of the camps. But then something. Um, then she just, like, breaks loose and kills all the dudes, even though she's, like, naked and unarmed. She just, like, ninjas them all to death. And then she reveals that she's actually an agent, and she was testing the guards to see if they were corrupt, and, like, they were. And, and like, another sort of, like, 
rapey sort of like, oh, it's cool that I was like making comments about rape a second ago because then I immediately murdered the person who was going to be a rapist. So like you can be titillated and offended at the same time. Yeah, because she seems like she's all helpless and the guards are like, oh, but you're not that ugly. So we'll just like chain you to the bed for two days until like whatever. And she's like, no, but please don't hurt me. But then she kills them. And she yeah, like grabs their throats and rips them out. Yeah. So I mean, I assume I very... it wasn't actually described very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's the the burner box novella. Then there's this North Korean coup novella. Then Real's dad being a neo Nazi happens. Then, um, North Korea puts Chung Cha on a mission to kill Roby and Real because they were spotted outside of the North Korean general's house before he killed himself. And they also start to enact this plan to kill the first family as retribution for America fucking with North Korea. I think maybe that plan comes specifically after Roby and Real liberate the, the children of the general from the camp. Yeah, that might be that might be how those all fit together. And then also it's kind of I think punishment for Chung Cha because they know it's going to be a suicide mission but she's gotten like a little too mouthy cuz um cuz she's the best there is but she kind of knows it. And they don't like and that. And she yeah. comes from like a bad fa- like she was like raised in a prison camp and is the only person in North Korean history to have ever like n- gotten out of a prison camp it's like Essentially yeah, by listing they... herself as an assassin for the government. Right. And well, so they're and... like, oh, well, this is like long-term payback for your loyalty or something. And then Yeah, they meanwhile... make her kill her whole family to get out. Like, she literally has to stab her parents and her siblings in the chest and murder them in order to be granted freedom from the camp. In, like, the only well-drawn action scene of the whole fucking book. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, we can't, like... The sexy murder time, like, is, like, vague, and we're not like, quite sure what's happening, but, like, stabbing your mom in the heart, like, we got a good picture of that. Yeah, like, multiple times, because she kind of flashes back to it sometimes. Like, over and over. <laughs> um, oh, also, then, somewhere before Changsha goes back to America, she adopts a 10-year-old girl out of one of the camps... Under the guise of, like, oh, well, like, she'll be like me, because if you are raised in the camps, you're tough, and I'll raise her to be an assassin, too. Um, so they kind of let... And the girl's name is Min. They kind of let her take Min and hang out for a while. And then Chung Cha convinces them that Min should go to America, too, because Americans are so sentimental that if she shows up with a 10-year-old girl, they won't think she's an assassin. And they're like, sure, like, whatever. And so she, she does that oh there's also all these scenes that are just kind of like really rubbing in like how poor north korea is because then you know like chung chai gets m&ms for men and it just like blows her mind like oh my god i've never had candy before i've never really had food before and you know all there's a lot of scenes like that of men just being like really overwhelmed by capitalism how awesome it is like (laughs) even like back in north korea like when, when Chung Cha, like, kills a bunch of people in her, like, introductory scene, like, her reward is, like, she gets a rice cooker. <laughs> yes. Like, it's, like, like, I mean, I don't personally have a rice cooker, so I can't testify as to, like, whether or not that's worth, like, many human lives. But, 
I presume it's not. <laughs> I mean, I have a waffle iron, and I would probably kill, like, at least one person to keep it. I can't tell if the Good audio story. just if dropped out or if I just shocked you all. <laughs> you were saying. I mean, it it wouldn't be you guys, but I would kill a stranger, probably. See, I'm just thinking, I have a wallflower iron, too, but 90% of the time, I'm just too lazy to use it. Like, it's so much easier. There's a diner literally down the street. So much easier to go to the diner. Oh, my God. You Americans with your excess. Can we just talk about waffle irons for an hour? That might be more fun than this (laughs) Yeah, do we think Cheng Cha had a waffle iron, or do you think that was, like, next? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, Ellen's joke that if you convert somebody to being gay, you get a toaster. This is, like, household appliances for murder points. (laughs) So, had she been successful... In killing the first family, like, what sort of appliance do you think she was in line for? Is this, like, a dishwasher sort of killing? Well, she she was saying that she wanted a new car, so maybe that. I mean, that's pretty valuable. Oh. Maybe, like, a portable rice cooker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she can just, like, oh, or maybe, maybe she could get, like, some 90s era virtual reality goggles, like, stolen from the last book we read. Like, disclosure? Yeah. Yeah. Imported to North Korea from their factory in Malaysia. <laughs> I think she would love that. <laughs> oh, um, There's also a scene, too, where, like, I mean, to further the USA, USA-ness of this book, where um, uh, she has Min out of the camp for the first time, and she's been, like, feeding her small meals to get her stomach used to nutrients, and, like, she's eating full meals and everything, and I imagine she's eating Korean food, and then, like, as a a treat, she takes her to, like, the one American hamburger shop, and, like, Min eats the food, and she's like, oh my god, this is the best food in the world. <laughs> it's been previously previously established, too, that that's uh, Chung Cha's, like, guilty pleasure is going to the American hamburger place. Yeah, it's just, like, not a thing that, like, the rest of the world craves American hamburger. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Uh, I think you're wrong about that. <laughs> USA. <laughs> uh, oh, and then also Chung Cha's like studying up on the files about the first family because she's got to kill him. And there's a scene where like she finds out that both the kids go to private school, even the daughter. And she's like, oh, in North Korea, like we don't believe in educating women. And, like, you know, she just has this moment of like reflection about that, how even the daughter goes to school. Oh, God. So all yes. of that turns into, like, uh, an assassination plot for the, for, like, for, so the, the Koreans will come and assassinate the first family. And uh, for no real reason, Ro- Roby and Real get assigned to, like, supplement the Secret Service's detail for them. Actually, I and do so- want to talk about the reason for that is, because you're right, it's not a real reason, but <laughs> there is one, which is that... And the president in passing mentions to his younger to his son like that Will Roby is like a real hero and for some reason even though it's basically just that like the kid receives like one sentence of information about this character and he just idolizes him and he's like oh my god he's so cool can he come to dinner can he come on this trip with us like I love this guy Will Roby and it's like he, this kid is surrounded like like secret service like he he is the president's like son. Like he has surely met other heroes 
in his life. But no, like only Will Roby is impressive to this child. And then also the daughter gets a crush on him. She's like 15 and it's sketch. Yeah, so the the first lady like privately calls Roby and Real to the White House and is like and calls them up to the residence and it's so fancy and already there's like kind of a coup going on because for like the past couple novellas the CIA director has kind of been pushed out of the conversation and it's just been like the president directly going to Roby and Real about things. Um, so the first lady is like, can you come to our vacation on Nantucket with us? Just because, you know, I, I think that Tommy needs like a, a male influence. I don't, I don't even like, she's just like, Tommy really likes you guys. So you, you should come on our vacation with us. Yeah. Is basically how it plays out. Yeah. Like it's implied that it's not even because like they think they need extra security or anything, but just because like the president can't come and she thinks that Tommy wants a male influence on the trip, so they should come. Yep. So then um, they're hanging out. It's Halloween, and Chung Cha and the rest of the North Koreans make their move, and they're going to kill the first family. And they kill some of the Secret Service agents, and then Roby and Real take the family down to, like, a basement or something, and the North Koreans get in there, and it's kind of, like, all over. Except that Chung Cha has a change of heart, and she kills the rest of the North Koreans instead, and saves them. And she explains to them that, like, she looked at the children, and she just couldn't do it. And then this, like, late-to-the-scene police officer arrives and kills her. And Roby and Riel are super sad because she had obviously been a nice North Korean and that guy didn't even realize it. And they like really like legitimately pissed at him for like killing the person who was like standing surrounded by Secret Service dead bodies, like aiming a weapon at the first family. Like, I don't know. I feel like he might get off, especially if he's a white police officer. Right. (laughs) Then, the, like, the ending is really bizarre, and we actually talked about this for a couple minutes because we couldn't quite pin down what happened. Um, kind of throughout the book, Roby and Real have been talking about how maybe they should retire, but, like, they're afraid if they retire, the CIA, the CIA won't have any need for them anymore, so they'll be killed, but if they don't retire, they'll be killed in the field, and all this stuff, and they have all these conversations about whether or not they should retire, and then at the end... Um, Min, the little girl that Chung Cha had saved and was looking after, is given to Jerome, who is their teenage friend from the neo-Nazi novella, um, her, body, her her guardian. To, so he's given Min as well to adopt. And um, they, Roby and Real visit Chung Cha's grave and have a very vague conversation where it's possibly implied that they should adopt Min themselves and retire. Maybe. They they never say those words. It's like really vague and open-ended, but it's also the way that it's it's written, it seems like it's supposed to be very final, but that's not actually there in the text. I don't know. Yeah. You know, we didn't pick it as one of our dramatic readings, but it's so short. I'm just going to read a little bit of it right now just so you guys can really hear. Um, and now she's given Min the chance to have a life. We can help her with that life. We have helped her. I mean more than giving her to, Ro- to Jerome and Julie. Do you want to do that? 
Yes, and not just because we owe it to Chung Cha. It's because, well, it's because it's something people should do, even people like us. Even people like us, agreed Roby. They turned and walked off together as the light gave way fully to the dark. End of book. And also, it's not even like they were a couple. Like, they had been partners, and there had been a few kind of moments where it was like, oh, are they, like, flirting or what? And this is like, okay, now they're just going to, like, start a life together. Yeah, Maybe. there's, like, one part where Julie, the teenager, um, like, is having, like, a girl talk with Jessica and makes, like, all these comments about how there's this FBI agent who has a crush on Roby, and Jessica should watch out for that, and how she likes Jessica much better, and Jessica kind of, like, laughs it off. I don't know if that was the implication there was that Jessica does subtly have... I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, and there's a whole, like... Uh, Will Roby gets left behind in the camp and Jessica's the one who calls for backup to go save him but she can't save him directly because she's saving the kids so later she's like I'm sorry I couldn't save you myself and he's like don't worry you saved my life and she's kind of like oh but I owed you and you it could work if it's just like oh because they're CAA partners and like that's what partners do or if it's like because I love you yeah and it also like in that scene like they get kind of emotional and they like, she touches his face and says something about how important he is to her. And then he, like, puts his arms around her. And, like, that that's it. That's the end of the scene. Like, basically throughout, they seem like less of a romantic couple than Paul Walker and Vin Diesel do in any Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> which is, a, like, a, it's just a very high bar, honestly, for, like, seeming like a romantic couple. But they're not meeting that bar. If you ask me. And, like, even that one scene you just mentioned, like, where they're having these, like, like fateful conversations, allegedly it takes place, like, in a chopper that's, like, soaring up over the North Korean coast or something. So, like, you have to picture, like, it's not described in the book, but, like, there's loud chopper sounds and they're, like... <laughs> yeah, they'd have to be in headphones, probably. <laughs> Other people could hear the romantic moment. <laughs> like, talking through the comm, like, I love you. <laughs> We can all hear you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, they probably outrank the other people in the chopper, so maybe they're just, like, (laughs) pretending like they couldn't hear. (laughs) Uh, Like, get a room that we're not in. (laughs) Get your own chopper. (laughs) Uh, There's one more... Get to the chopper. (laughs) Flawless, flawless Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Uh, there's one more point that I want to make out of this book, which is that Roby and Reel's, like, CIA informant is named the Blue Man. So the whole time I was imagining Tobias Funke. (laughs) But I don't think that's who Early is. (laughs) Well, it doesn't say that, it doesn't say that their informant is not a never dude. It's possible. (laughs) Right, yeah, I mean, they... (laughs) We need more information, basically, to rule rule it in or out. <laughs> um, Can I also just mention that, like, everything that Roby and Real try to do, they kind of fail at. Like, <laughs> like the like uh, break into the North Korean prison and like don't let anybody know that you've done it. And there's like explosions. And they're being chased by tanks and shit. And like 
like Roby gets left behind and then like it's just supposed to be like just the two of them and a moped and then all of a sudden there's a chopper rescuing one of them I feel like that's a fail yeah <laughs> and it's like protect the first family and like they're like save like everything goes wrong and they're unarmed and surrounded and then like like if, if your plan is to like depend on the change of like the last second change of heart of like the assassin team that's come for you like this is not a good plan yeah if chung cha hadn't gotten baby fever they would all be dead <laughs> which I, I guess there was one other thing i wanted to talk about which is that this book i feel like does pass the bechdel test and i'm just i'm interested in it because it does have all these like quote-unquote strong female characters but also like you know, there is a lot of, like, sexy almost rape and a lot of, like, uh, yeah, totally being sidelined by baby fever and, like, wh- what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a thesis statement about this. I just wanted to drop it drop it in here. I feel like a lot of the female characters are super one-dimensional, but at the same time, so are the male characters. That's true. <laughs> you know, so it's not like the... Thing that sometimes happens where it's like, oh yeah, like super developed, super in depth with the male characters, but then the female characters are there's a lot of them, but they're just pretty, or they just have one characteristic. Like all the characters were like that, so I can't really say like, oh, you know, they spend all this time telling us that Jessica's such a good spy, but we never really see her being a good spy because they do exactly the same thing with Will Roby. So yeah, yeah, I guess this book is maybe like less bro-y than I would have expected, yeah. but more bro-merican than I expected. Yeah. Despite the, like, numerous attempted and referenced to rape scenes, I was kind of expecting, like, like, I was joking to my friends before I started reading it, like, yeah, I'm sure it's filled with attractive men having sex with attractive women for the good of America. Um, and I was surprised that it wasn't that at all. Um, there was, like, none of that kind of, like, James Bond, like, I'll seduce the foreign agent kind of thing going on. Yeah, it wasn't, like, uh, Roby seduced Chung Cha, just babies seduced yeah. Chung Cha. And that. <laughs> so. um, and it's funny, because I, I said this on Twitter at some point, that I don't, I've discovered through doing the podcast that I would rather read a million shitty romance novels or overdone young adult genre books than I would these male power fantasies. Because this one was, I think, content-wise, slightly better than Disclosure, but it was so hard for me to get through it. I cared so little. The only person I cared about was Julie, and unfortunately, that was like the second novella. (laughs) So (laughs) she was gone. And it just was torturous to get through the rest because I just didn't care. Well, I gotta say that, like, warms my heart. That was really my goal, picking this book, so. (laughs) (laughs) Was to make me just not care about anything. Right. You know, I'm I'm a long-time listener and first-time caller, and, like, (laughs) you've you've, you've explored the depths of, like, all of these, like, shitty genre fiction, and I just, like, I felt like there was this, like, lacuna, this hole, uh, which is, like, always at the top of the bestseller list. It's, like, just, like, another fucking... Bob Hachi book or whatever, like of his ilk, and, and like they're also just as bad as the things that you read. And I just or okay, it's not Tyra Banks here, okay, but it's close. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like before this, I kind of alarmed you, and I was like, this wasn't that bad, and you were like, maybe you don't have a soul anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think I referred to you as a literary sewage worker. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's, it's not the worst thing I've ever read, but it's not good. Yeah, and I think for me, it's just that it's, like, so outside my general interests. Like, I feel like anyone would almost rather read something that they were interested in that was bad than something that just has zero interest to them that is maybe slightly less bad. Or at least yeah. just me. Maybe I... I I just feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like I was saying, though, like, I'll, I'll, I like a dumb action movie or like a spy thriller or whatever when it's a movie. But with the book form, especially when it's not very well written, it's just like, ugh. ugh. <laughs> so. I guess the other thing that bothers me about this book is like, it's filled with these like, sort of writerly Easter eggs that are just like, like, they're all like rotten. <laughs> where it's like, uh, like the opening sequence is like a guy sat at the table, uh, sat at a chair, like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. It was. He's the president. <laughs> and you're like, like, everything is sort of written in this sort of like circular thing so that he gets to have a punchline. But then the punchline is just so lame that it's, it's just, like more oh, of a slap God. than a punchline. <laughs> right. Like like a missed slap. <laughs> Yeah, and oh, and we talked too about like oh, the title is the target, but who is the target? And like throughout the book, they constantly just refer to the target instead of saying who they mean. And I was saying it's kind of like maybe some kind of running joke that he was trying to develop, but it it doesn't really work as a joke. It's more just like, oh, who are you talking about? Oh, I don't care. Normally, the title of a book is related to the plot in some crucial way. Yeah, this and should really I be called the target. More like seven books. Yes. <laughs> this we call David Barachi seven books. Or like Nazis versus North Koreans versus the CIA. Versus the French also, if they were in there. Oh the French are totally in this book for some reason. Sorry we didn't mention that earlier. They're just yeah. <laughs> Briefly. In one of the novellas. America like shows up into France, does some murdery stuff, and then leaves, but like is very pointed, they make it very clear that they didn't have to fill any paperwork out. Like, lest you were, lest you were worried that we have to fill out paperwork when we murder people in other countries, we don't. <laughs> USA! <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, last thing, again, I mentioned the weird patriotic bent of this, and I think Baldacci 100% believes that's a good thing, that, like, we don't have to answer to France, but, like, <laughs> Maybe we should, though. <laughs> Maybe we should have to. If like, we... if France showed up in, like, in Iowa and did some, like, murdery stuff and then left, like, that would be, like, <laughs> That notable. would be an incident. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, I think there are, I think, three or four different, like, foreign agent murdering other people in other countries, like, sequences in this book. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because yeah, because USA, because they're the best CIA agents and they do whatever they want. Or whatever the president wants. So that oh. said, I guess let's maybe move into our dramatic readings and oh, give you guys yeah. a, a further taste of these seven novellas by David Baldacci. <laughs> First up, 
Nick and Renata are going to read a little bit from the very beginning of the book to just give you a sense of how hardcore Will Roby is. And also how boring it is to read action sequences. Yes. And um, Nick will be um, the narrator slash Will Roby, and I will be all the thugs to attack him. Okay. Picture yourself in D.C. during the day. Three men in their early 20s approached from the other side of the street. Roby had already seen them, sized them up, and knew what they would demand of him. There were no cops around, no witnesses. He did not have time for this. He did not have the desire for this. He turned and walked directly at them. If I give you some money, will you leave? He asked the tallest of the three. This one was his size, a six-footer packing about 180 street-hardened pounds. The man drew back his windbreaker, revealing a black Sig 9 mil in the waistband that hung low over his hips. Depends on how much. A hundred? The man looked at his two comrades. Make it a deuce and you're on your way, dude. I don't have a deuce. <laughs> I can't handle this. Why does he keep saying deuce? That's not cool. It just means shit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a shit. Uh, we're just gonna, I'm going to rewrite this. I, I don't have a shit. <laughs> Make it a shit and you're on your way, dude. I don't have a shit. Okay, go on. Sorry. <clears throat> so you say, then you're going to get jacked right here. He went to draw the gun, but Roby had already taken it from his waistband and pulled down his pants at the same time. <laughs> the man tripped over his fallen trousers. The man on the right pulled a knife and then watched in amazement as Roby first disarmed him and then laid him out with three quick punches, two to the right kidney, one to the jaw. Roby added a kick to the head after the man smacked the pavement. The third man did not move. The tall man exclaimed, <laughs> Shit, you a ninja? Roby glanced down at the sig he held. It's not balanced properly, and it's rusted. You need to take care of your weapons better, or they won't perform when you want them to. He flicked the weapon toward them. How many more guns? The third man's hand went to his pocket. Drop the jacket, ordered Roby. It's raining and cold. Roby put the Sig's muzzle directly against his forehead. Not asking again. The jacket came off and fell in a puddle. Roby picked it up and found the Glock. I see the throwaways at your ankles, he said. Out! The throwaways were handed over. Roby balled them all up in his jacket. He eyed the tall man. See where greed gets you? You should have just taken the Benny. We need our guns! I need them more. Roby kicked some water up from the puddle into the unconscious man's face, and he woke with a start, and then rose on shaky legs. He did not seem to know what was going on and probably had a concussion. Roby flicked the gun again. Down that way, all of you. Turn right into the alley. The tall man suddenly looked nervous. Hey, dude, look, we're sorry, okay? But this is our turf here. We patrol it. It's our livelihood. You want a livelihood? Get a real job that doesn't involve putting a gun in people's faces and taking what doesn't belong to you. Now walk, not asking again. They turned and marched down the street. When one of them turned to look back, Roby clipped him in the head with the butt of his cig. Eyes straight. Turn around again. 
you get a third one to look through the back of your head. Mm. Yeah, it's just written like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. It's turn around again, you get there's no commas here. Like what the fuck, dude? Turn around again, you get a third one to look through in the back of your head, he says. You're welcome, Becca. (laughs) Roby could hear the men's breathing accelerate. Their legs were jelly. They believed they were walking to their execution. Walk faster! They picked up the pace. Faster, but don't run. The three men looked idiotic trying to go faster while still walking. Now run! The three men broke into a sprint. They turned left at the next intersection and were gone. Roby turned and headed into the opposite direction. He ducked down an alley and found a dumpster and heaved the jacket and guns into it after clearing out all of the ammo. He dropped the bullets down a sewer grate. He did not get many opportunities for peaceful moments, and he did not like it when they were interrupted. Yeah, God, that's, I... That's the end. Scene. <laughs> Scene. Yeah, I feel like there's so much, like, military or, like, cop or whatever slang that he tries to use, but it's like, oh, I don't know about that, like... Who, when being robbed, asks for a deuce? No one does that. I mean, not that I've just, been robbed a whole lot, but I just feel in my heart that no one would, like, put a gun in your face and ask for a deuce. <laughs> right? Oh, God. Um, and then, like, the, like, why did he pull the pants down? That seemed, like, gratuitous. Because he and wanted just, like... a deuce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hysterical that, like, like the, like, the way all of these action sequences play out is, like, something has already happened. Like, we don't get to see it, like, actually happen. It's like, but Roby has already taken it from his waistband and pulled down his pants at the same time. It's, like, pretty quick. Also, we never hear him pull his pants back up, so I like to imagine when they're all walking away and he's like, they look ridiculous walking. It's because his pants are still down. And, like, this whole, like, hall monitor thing of like walk faster faster but don't run now you can run it's just (laughs) mother may i throw my gun into the river (laughs) yes you may eyes straight turn around again you get a third one to look through in the back of your head (laughs) that's awesome usa Oh, and also, like, I love these, like, yeah, get a real job where you don't have to put a gun in people's faces and take things that don't belong to you. But that's, like, Like, what the CIA does. (laughs) Like, that's specifically what he's the best in the world at. Well, third best. Third best, yeah. Still pretty good. (laughs) Better than those guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So, um, our next dramatic reading is... A phone call that Jessica Real places to Leon, who is the neo-Nazi holding their teenage friend Julie hostage, and also the father of her child. And Kate will be Jessica Real, and I'll be Leon the Nazi. Yes. Oh, and I forgot to say, uh, because Jessica had been in witness protection, her given name is Sally, but she goes by Jessica now. So tell me, do you prefer Sally or Jessica? How are you, Leon? Still playing behind closed doors with your little swastika? Leon Dyke smiled and looked toward the doorway to the room where Julie was being held. It's so wonderful to hear your voice, Sally. Let's live in the present. The name is Jessica. 
All right, Jessica. Next time you see Earl, tell him I said hello. It's heartwarming to see you two have remained close. The truth is, I never really cared for your father, Jessica. He's uncouth and uneducated. I have a PhD. Yeah, in the I Love Hitler program at the University of the Demented. Actually, it was political science, and it was at Berkeley. Now that's something I never knew about you, Leon. But your father did prove useful. He was dying, but he was dying unfulfilled. Let me guess. I was the last item on his bucket list. It was a mutual goal. You cost me several years of my life in prison. What you did should have cost you your life. You got a ridiculously short sentence because I was prevented from coming back and testifying against you. But you decimated my organization. It took me a long time to rebuild it. Goody for you. Let's talk about the future. Julie is a very intelligent girl. She could go far in any field she chooses. Will she get the chance? Let her go, and the answer is yes. I would like to let her go, if my price is met. I've got a few bucks in my 401k. You and my daughter are the price. She's not your daughter. I am her biological father. You raped me. Your words. But in any case, it does not take away my status. It most certainly does, and it did. The court already ruled on that. American courts do not have jurisdiction over me. Not really sure how you figured that one, but I don't want to get into that. You take me in return for Julie. It's me you really want after all. I said you and my child. It's called compromise, Leon. You never get all you want. I do. Because if I don't, I will impregnate Julie, hold her for the term of the baby, and then kill her. That way I will have my child. Those are my terms. They are not negotiable. You know me well enough to understand that. Real didn't say anything for several moments. It will take me some time to get hold of Laura. Laura? You named her after... My mother, yes. I told you her name was Ava. I was not naming my daughter after Adolf Hitler's mistress. They were lawfully married. Ava Braun was Der Feuer's great love. Yeah, he married her and then killed her. Some love. I will not argue political philosophies with you. His mind was too advanced for someone like you to understand. And thank God for that. I will give you two days to locate Laura. Then I will call and give you instructions on the exchange. Look, Leon, I can't just take Laura away from the life she has and give her to you. Then I will get to you another way. And I will have my new child with Julie. And I will send you Julie's head nine months from now. It is simple. Do not worry yourself over it, Sally. You are female. Know your limits. Remember, I often counseled you about that. Wow. Yeah. Well done, guys. Really moving. <laughs> <You're say. laughs> we didn't even... There's um, a... There's a lot in that scene. Like like the completely random dig at the sort of people who go to Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> Sick burn on Berkeley. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, when Republicans like that school, they call it Cal. And when they hate it, they call it Berkeley. <laughs> um, uh, but just questions. Like, what? Like obviously, the I Love Hitler program is, is one of the, the highlights of, the, dement, of the, the school at the Demented University. Like, what other sorts of classes do they have? 
Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if your degree is in I Love Hitler, like, what are the requirements? <laughs> and how similar is this school to that fashion school in Tara Banks's book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does Model and, and Academy Falls. have an I Love Hitler program, or do you have to study abroad at Hitler at, or at Berkeley if you want it? <laughs> And, and and not to be throwing shade, but, like, wouldn't this pos- podcast maybe fit in, <laughs> like, reading the worst books that America has to offer, like, kind of fits into Demented University, like. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could be, like, a required text. Yeah. <laughs> Call us Demented University. Doesn't even have to be a tenure track position. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be adjuncts at Demented University. <laughs> You guys don't need healthcare. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay, and then our very last uh, dramatic reading scene is uh, toward the very end when Chung Cha decides she does not have it in her heart to kill the first family. And uh, Nick will be Agent Roby. Mm-hmm. Kate will be both Agent Real and Eleanor, whatever her last name is, who is the first lady. And I will be Chung Cha, the best assassin ever. Chung Chan nodded, said a few words in Korean, and then looked at Roby and Real. She said in English, I am sorry for this. Then she attacked. She turned and gutted Jing Sang with one of her knives, ripping upward. His gun fell from his grip, but she snatched it before it hit the floor. She fired once, hitting the next man in the brain. With her free hand, she threw her other knife and it plunged into the third man's chest. The other two men were stunned by Chung Cha's action, but opened fire. However, she had gripped the third man, spun him around, and used his body as a shield, absorbing the fired rounds. She then pushed him forward into the two men, dropped low, slid across the floor, and kicked the legs of the fourth man out from under him. As he fell, she pulled the knife free from the chest of the third man and raked it across the throat of the fourth man. Arterial spray covered her and the floor. Chung Cha never stopped moving. She somersaulted against the floor as the remaining man fired at her but missed. Roby and Real had grabbed the first family and thrown them behind the table again. Then the pair scrambled across the room to retrieve their weapons. But they were not as fast as Chung Cha. She had pushed off the far wall, flipping completely over the last man. As she went past him, the thin razor line was revealed in her hands. She slipped the wire around the man's neck while she was in midair, hit the ground on both feet, and pulled with all her strength, at the same time crossing her arms and forming an X. The man gurgled once and then dropped to the floor, bleeding out a few seconds later from his nearly severed head. Oh, he's nearly headless Nick. (laughs) Chung Cha straightened and then dropped the wire. He turned to look at the devastation she had wrought. Five men dead, all by her hand, all in less than a minute. She was breathing rapidly, her eyes focused and her limbs tensed. She turned to face Roby and Real, who had their weapons now. They were pointed at her, but neither agent had a finger on the trigger guard. Roby said, USA, USA. (laughs) (laughs) Roby said, you want to explain why you just did what you did? (laughs) Chang Cha looked back at Eleanor and her children as they slowly rose from behind the table. Eleanor put her hands over Claire's and Tommy's faces so they wouldn't see the dead men. I hope that you are not hurt, said Chung Cha. Eleanor slowly shook her head, but her face betrayed her bewilderment. I'm okay, she said slowly. We're okay. 
thanks to you. Chang Cha turned back to Roby and Real. Real took a cautious step forward. That was the most amazing piece of close quarter combat I've ever seen, she said admiringly. But like my partner said, why? We were sent here to kill them, said Chang Cha, indicating Eleanor and her children. The others always intended to do this. But not you? Chang Cha did not answer right away. I do not know. But in the end, I could not kill this family. I just could not. Change of heart? asked Real with a skeptical look. I do not have a heart, said Chang Cha firmly. I am from Yodok, which is the prison camp, one of the prison camps. I will always be from Yodok. They took my heart many years ago. You cannot grow another back. USA, USA, <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how many times that phrase is in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think um, I think it's probably just like an autocorrect in his computer now. If he just types like two spaces, it turns into USA. <laughs> or like maybe a comma because like there's basically no commas in this book. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the commas get in the way of the action. Yeah, which which speaking of action, this Chung Cha scene, if it had like if this were played by Ming Na Wen, she was just like kicking the shit out of a bunch of dudes, I'd be like, awesome. But to read about him, like, uh And also because like they don't even have names, it just sounds like it's a word problem or something. Like Chang Cha stabs the third guy, <laughs> then she moves to the fourth man and does this, then she goes back to the third man. How many like- men are dead? <laughs> Five. <laughs> In conclusion, movies forever, books never. so let's move on to would you rather (laughs) our first question is from nick and he asks would you rather go to the burner box or have a burning sensation in your box you're welcome ladies (laughs) (laughs) i mean you have to answer too nick (laughs) you have to answer first uh well i'm gonna go with burning sensation in my box i feel like there are some ointments that could really help with that and i wouldn't get waterboarded yeah i would agree certainly there's there's a lot of medications available and i'm not tough enough to survive caa torture i'm sure yeah i am super soft in like 30 seconds and the second they said to me like strip down to your underwear and jog for six miles i would literally drop that on the spot so yeah your box implies like a lot of the same steps like (laughs) You have to strip down. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to run six miles to get to the doctor. Yeah, stripping down, that's fine. But the <laughs> running six miles, no. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're in agreement. Uh, next up, would you rather take life advice from your neo-Nazi father or learn to take it easy from the world's second and third best assassins? Is this still me? Um, yeah, I feel like... Like, the, the neo-Nazi life advice. Like, I mean, he's got, like, a PhD from Berkeley. Like, they don't give those sh- that shit out. Like, I mean, maybe he, like, obviously he's got some really bad politics and some, like, gender theory stuff that, like, we could work out. But, like, I don't know. Maybe he knows a lot about, like, political science that's unrelated to Nazis. Like, what are his feelings about, like, the rise of communism in, like, the 1950s? Like, maybe he knows a lot about that. Or North Korea. He could know a lot about that. Right? Like, we never really got the Nazis talking about North Korea, but, like, I feel like asking a Berkeley PhD, like, wouldn't have been the worst thing. (laughs) 
I think I would learn to take it easy from the world's second and third best assassins because even though they're pretty terrible at that, like I feel like because I have common sense, I would be able to use their spy skills to parlay it into the world of relaxation and like essentially learn how to like sneak into five star resorts the way that, you know, you might like maybe in their life life they're doing it to murder someone when they least expect but I'll just be taking advantage of room service and then leaving once my relaxation week is over yeah but like they keep getting caught right like they, they sneak in and then like you order room service and they're like ah this room's supposed to be empty like like you're caught now see I I would choose I would hang out with Roby and we would just go around DC pantsing people for a while <laughs> <laughs> And I think that would really help me, you know, relax, unwind, and <laughs> move on. People would be like, shit, you a ninja? And then, like, you'd already be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, okay, so this ties in, I guess, to the last question, which is, would you rather be surrogate adopted by a North Korean assassin or a, a CIA assassin? Mm. I mean, either way, you would probably get some hamburgers. <laughs> and like you might get abducted in both situations right like yeah either way not probably your best parent figure but yeah uh i'm gonna straight up go with ca assassin i like my life now here in america where i have television like legit i wouldn't be able to survive without television as i said i'm very soft and very weak-willed so, uh, you, you know, you're going to get kidnapped either way. You're going to see some shit either way. So I'm going to see some shit where I can watch Netflix. You know, I think I'm going to go with the... I'm going to play a North Korea advocate here. And, and you know, uh, Chung Cha had a rice cooker, and I actually quite like rice. And, you know, I presume since she's killed lots of people, she has other appliances. And... Um, like we have basically zero discussion of this appliances in real or Robbie's life. In fact, real's house like burns down like in the first scene essentially. So like she doesn't even have a, like she has like no rice cooker. She has like no dishwasher. Like I can't live without those things. So um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be the one who votes for North Korea here. Not to mention, I mean, if you you would be in like the one percent in Korea versus in America. I mean, you're. You know, somewhere in the middle. Practically a peasant, really. Um, that said, I, I guess I would stick with CIA as well. But I would certainly, you know, if I would look into it, if they don't have a rice cooker, I would make it a priority for that household to acquire one. Definitely. <laughs> okay, good round, guys. Let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we suggest some books or movies that you might read or watch instead of reading this book. Yeah, basically all my suggestions are movies. Actually, I'll start out. I'll start off with a book one, um, the Ally Carter series that starts with "I'd tell you I love you, but then I'd have to kill you." Oh yeah. Um, the Gallagher Girls, Gallagher Gallagher Academy um, series. I really like that. It's about a school for teenage girl spies. It's a good series. It's a lot of fun. It has better action scenes and makes more sense than this book. Uh, I would recommend that you read like any book by John Le Carre, except like, um, I, like spoiler alert, like 
every John Lucari book ends with like the protagonist being betrayed by his friends and like trapped behind the wall of the border in North Korea in uh, East Germany in the rain. So like that's just how they all end. And then I really like this book called The Expats, which is like people who are secretly spies and they live in Europe, but like they also are raising a family. It's just like very similar to this book, but like way better. Um, and then I would recommend uh, something called basically any movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have heard of movies, <laughs> check them out. <laughs> um, I've got a few. Um, in terms of, I would say comics are sort of the hybrid in between an action movie and an action book. Because it's like, it's still a on paper you still read it but there's drawings so at least you can like see the action happening instead of having to like sort through a description like you know uh writing about it so i would recommend especially the the newest black widow comics by nathan edmondson she's a spy she's cool it's awesome um i might also recommend the the solo gambit books which i know most people do not like gambit but i do and in the solo books he works for mi6 for like some reason and it doesn't even really make sense but it's awesome and he like steals things from fairies and is kind of a spy and also like takes his shirt off and cuddles cats for like pages at a time so it's like in every way (laughs) superior to this book (laughs) And then uh, specifically honing in on the North Korea aspect of this, um, last year I read the book The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson, which takes place in North Korea and uh, specifically in some of like the re-education prison camps. And it's it's pretty good, but also I read that and I realized that I wanted actually nonfiction about North Korea because I didn't know all that much about it so I was constantly like wait is that real or is that just made up for the book so I read a bunch of nonfiction about North Korea and of those the the one that I would recommend most is called North Korea Another Country by Bruce Cummings so check that out uh learn about whether or not they have rice cookers there and um some more tv showy type things like you probably if you like this book you would like 24 oh, um yeah, I've never seen 24 really or really but yeah, you probably would. Uh, the Americans, probably. I, I feel like The Americans is what happens after this book ends. And season two of Bomb Girls has a spy plot line. I mean, I just think everyone should watch the first two seasons of Bomb Girls. Mm-hmm. But it's spies, so it's kind of the same. And um, the same for Agent Carter, mm-hmm. which is great and just got renewed for season two. And um, there's like, this is, it's a a lesbian sort of like action comedy movie called Debs and it's about girl spies and you should watch that. I would also recommend the TV show Justified, which recently ended and it has uh, Boyd Crowder as sort of a charming, somewhat neo-Nazi character. Um, But he's, he's a much better neo-Nazi than these guys. Although I don't think he has his PhD in I love Hitler, but I don't know, actually. You know, I, I haven't seen his degree, so check check that out. Maybe he has a degree in the worst bestsellers. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, we'll we'll have a list up at worstbestsellers.com, but really, cannot repeat enough, just movies. Just yeah. any movie. And I, I don't want to like, we are soon going to be doing an actual James Bond novel, so we'll talk about that more, but... Literally any James Bond movie, watch that over... Even the really terrible ones, watch that over this, reading this book. Yes, or this is... 
and watch <laughs> Fish, Fisher's Murder Mysteries instead. Oh, I don't like those. Anyway. <sighs> I mean, the, yeah, whatever. They're pretty different from this genre, but still better. But again, it's a low bar. <laughs> so, Fleshly uh, Circle is way better than that show. I, I might have to fight you, physically fight you on that. I, I do like that too, but Miss Fisher is Miss Fisher. Okay, well, um, you guys can I get just, your... I just de-pantsed you. I, I, it's already <laughs> happened. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, we didn't see it happen. It just already happened. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, we'll leave this, this petty, childish CAA squabble behind us and move on <laughs> to our candy pairing, where we'll recommend a candy to eat while you read this book or watch a movie. Any movie. <laughs> Um, mine for this book is Pop Rocks, which are exciting, confusing, and make me kind of proud to be an American. I went with a child's uh, birthday is... party goodie bag, which is filled with, you know, a random handful of candy that doesn't really go together and is best digested in small doses. Uh, and mine is Bazooka Joe, which is gun-themed candy that's vaguely patriotic and fucking disgusting. <laughs> and it has jokes on the wrapper that don't really make sense. <laughs> like they should like add to the bottom of Bazooka Joe jokes like you laughed because like all of the jokes in David Baldacci's books like they're not funny but then he gets to decide if people laugh or not and so it's just, like real laughed and it's like oh, that's that's cheating it's totally cheating <laughs> yeah it's like he tried to put a laugh track on this book <laughs> okay so we've got our candy pairings done we'll move on to our favorite game the rock paper snicked where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be in this book, and Nick can choose either of those as a winner or a paper, which would be to leave the book as is. And I will start. Um, if the Rock were in this book, he would be a retired CIA agent who is Julie's guardian instead of this random guy named Jerome who's pretty useless. Uh, so he's not so easily overtaken by the Nazis who underestimate him. And instead, he takes Julie and goes on the run to protect her. So the rest of the book is about their fabulous undercover adventures, traveling the country, and occasionally stumbling into wacky mysteries that need solving. They have a lot of fun, and in the end, The Rock officially adopts Julie. And Roby and Real do more spying and stuff and assassinating and save people, but who really cares about any of that? Not me. Okay, okay, hold on, Kate. Quick follow-up question. Can the Nazis smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's too fast for them. He's gone before they have a chance. It's just like a vague odor left behind. But, you know, like sunshine and springtime. <laughs> happiness. Okay. Wait, I have a follow-up. Would you describe him as fast and furious or only fast? Oh, both fast and furious because nobody hurts The Rock's teenage charges under his watch. Excellent. <laughs> okay, um, so if Wolverine were in this book, um, he would be a, he would be like a special consultant to the CAA because he's an X Man and Avenger, and he's on every team. So surely, also the CIA. Um, he does not like or give a shit about Roby and Real because they're too like whatever. But he does like one of his superpowers is sensing when teenage girls need mentorship. And so um, he is friends with Jerome, who has adopted Julie. And so sometimes he just kind of bros out with them, maybe takes, like, Julie and Jubilee to the mall together. 
And so because of this association, he is on it when he when he thinks that Julie might get kidnapped by the Nazis. And so he stops that from happening because this kid doesn't need any more trauma. But then he uses his super Wolverine senses to trace them back to their Nazi base. And he murders all of them in a berserker rage because fuck Nazis. Now, does Wolverine like Mystique better than Blue Man? Like, like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Of all of his blue friends, does he does he like have favorites? Well, n- well, Nightcrawler, number one blue friend. <laughs> um, I- I'm I'm going to go with the Rock here. I-, I feel like the the sweet smells of the Rock's cooking have like lured me in. Does he have a rice cooker? <laughs> <laughs> he does, of course. Only the best things for Julie. He well, has a well, dishwasher and question. waffle iron. Like. The question, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Uh, It's rice. (laughs) (laughs) Mystery solved. (laughs) Okay. So, real quick, what did everybody think the moral of the story was? America might be shit, but it could be worse. We could be North Korea. Uh, uh, my, My moral of the story is assassins do things so fast you don't have to describe how they did them. And uh, my moral of the story is, actually, I'm going to invite you guys to chant it with me. It's USA! 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 Yeah. It is. That is the true moral of the story. And now we'll go to Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte, who is an adopted American, and so also feels a sense of pride for the USA, will share his thoughts about this book. That's interesting, Dorita. You're right. We didn't actually bring up about how Chung Cha kept talking about eating rats, but I, I could understand why you would like that part the best. And I do think that it's problematic that uh, Chung Cha has never seen domesticated animals before. I, I, I agree with you that that probably is a hole in her life that you wish she would have had some time to fill before she died. Hopefully she has some, some pets up in heaven, up in assassin heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a great, that's a great point. <laughs> All right, so let's go. Um, are there any closing thoughts from the humans here? Mm. No. Well, I just wanted to say uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I know that like this is like episode twenty-two or something, so mm-hmm. I'm honored to be like the twenty-second funniest person you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is certainly we did make a hierarchical ranking of funniest people we know, and we're working our way down it. So everyone who has not yet been invited to be on the show should definitely be offended. <laughs> Because uh, that means you are like thirty or less. <laughs> just kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> You're like no worse than like twenty five. Because there have been some repeats already. That's, is what true. I'm saying. <laughs> That's true. We did have Stacy twice before we even got to you. So, <laughs> so you should feel good though. <laughs> I feel. I mean, that was a thanks. It wasn't. I wasn't throwing shade. I'm. <laughs> I'm, like, the 34th funniest person I personally know. So, like, this is great. (laughs) 
Well, um, th- thank you for... Uh, you We didn't actually go into this at all, but you had read some other David Baldacci books before being on this to to test drive them, and you said this was the worst one, which I believe easily. It, it was like a t- close call. Like, they're all, like, kind of tied for, for worst. Like, this one had, like, <laughs> like eight plots, but, like... Like, didn't have some of the, like, his tricks that are, like, his favorites, where it's, like, you're in the detective's head, like, the whole time, and then, like, you go into, like, a different detective's head, and then when you come back, like, that one detective, like, that first detective has, like, solved the case without telling you about it, and he's like, well, I I did leave town for, like, two weeks, and then I came back, and, like, here's all the evidence that I know who did the crime, and you're like, I really would have loved to have been in your head when you were traveling and solving the crime. <laughs> Like he's a what I'm saying is David Baldacci is like a deep a deep vein for your for your exploration. Alright, well if we if we read another one of his, we'll have you back. Or maybe something else even worse. If Tyra Banks' next book is about spies, I want in. Okay. Oh man, I would oh man, I would read that. Or if it's the book that I propose where Wolverine becomes the teacher at Modeland and so it becomes like modeling slash, you know, X Men school. Yes, I'd read that. Hmm. <laughs> but I need to get—I need to stop being distracted by my dreams of <laughs> of what books do not exist yet, and I say also. Like, I feel like Rebecca Romaine would stay most or whatever would be in that school. Anyway. Totally, yeah, yeah. It would be Wolverine and Mystique would be like the two mutant characters <laughs> at that school, <laughs> and it would be amazing. Um, okay, so uh, Kate and I have been fundraising for a few good causes, and uh, recently Malia has donated to Kate's NAMI walk, and so Kate has a message to read. Uh, Malia would, says that she would love to shout out to the Bloomington, Indiana chapter of the Forever Young Adult Book Club. We are a fun group and big fans of this podcast. Shoutouts in particular to Becky and Erin. And if any Hoosier listeners are looking to meet and talk about books, you can find their group on Goodreads. And we will have a link to that in the footnotes on worstbestsellers.com. Yeah. Uh, Also, I will just in general say that Forever Young Adult is an awesome website. And if you actually like young adult books that are good instead of just the shitty ones we read, in general, (laughs) check out Forever Young Adult. And if you're in Bloomington, definitely join this book club. All right, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, We would love it if you could leave us a review. Maybe say that we're in, like, the top three podcasts in America. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. You can follow Nick on Twitter at polykinetic and visit him online at loideo.com, L-L-O-Y-D-E-O.com. You can... Follow us on, you can like us on Facebook at Worst Best Sellers. You can follow us on Twitter at Worst Best Seller with no S. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with our first Harlequin romance novel, The Greek Tycoon's Blackmailed Mistress by Lynn Graham. And we hope to see you all then. Bye. Bye. Dude, this is hard. It's just hard talking. It's hard Englishing.